Welcome to MBA Without BS, where I speak with top voices in business, education, and the business of education. Nadav Shuval is the CEO of Spot I Am. We talk about how he got from getting a Kawasaki disease at five to building a tech unicorn at under 30. And we walk through overcoming disabilities and learning differently and keeping positive and mainly staying very hungry. Hope you enjoy it. If you do, please rate and share and comment and happy listening. So Nadav, welcome to MBA Without BS. It's great having you here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Perfect. And we're going to start with you the way we start with every guest. And that is, tell us your story in two minutes or under. The story of my life in two minutes. I'll start uh, with something that basically can summary everything. Uh, in the age of two, I was diagnosed with a disease called Kawasaki. It basically harmed my soft moral skills. Uh, but it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I just as a kid, I could not write down as normal kids. I, I could not just use a paper and a pen. It was just like too painful. Um, so I got a computer in a super young age. I actually went to school with a computer, started to code in the age of eight. I built my first website in the age of nine. Um, during my childhood, I was building mostly online communities. I didn't really know what I was doing, um, but this was fun. Back then, like messengers and chats became popular. So I did this kind of things, built a lot of online communities back then in the 90s. Uh, graduated school, went to the military, and I kind of fell afterwards. I never finished high school. so. The easiest thing was to start a company, um, so I did that, and here we are today. So this is the story of my life in two minutes. <laughs> so I have, I have a few questions. What was the first website that you built when you were nine years old? Oh, my God. It's fucking embarrassing. Sorry for my language. <laughs> um, you, you know, I, I kind of – so let's talk about the 90s, right? Like Back then in the 90s, World Wide Web became extremely popular in 1990. Um, but there was another thing before of it that was called IRC. And some of the, perhaps the more geeks that, that hear us uh, will relate to yep. that. Mirk IRC was the first communication protocol uh, way before browsers uh, became popular. And we're just like, you know, we were asking people how to get uh, codes uh, for Nintendo and, and PlayStation. <laughs> I, I was playing games and, you know, Doom and, and all these things and, and, and GTA kind of auto. And I just wanted to, you know, play better, basically. And I thought, oh, wow, there's these things online when I can ask people for, you know, codes and, and stuff and, and they can help me. So it really started from, from games. So I just wanted to connect with people and, and learn from them, basically, because most of my friends just did not have computer back then. It was simple as that. I just want to have access to information. So uh, I was using a lot of IRC, and I said, whoa, this is so cool. But it was a bit like the, the user experience was tough. I was a kid. I didn't even know, obviously, what was the experience and design. But I just I, I knew that it was too much of a hassle to use it. So uh, the first thing they did, I was developing basically some type of a forum uh, for kids about games um, because I wanted to be able to share my knowledge with all my friends because everybody back then in the 90s had like a PlayStation or Nintendo, right? Like all of us. Mm, yep. But not all of us had, had access uh, to computer. So I felt that the easiest thing to do will be just to create a very, very simple uh, website with a forum 
around games and it just it was a home run <laughs> was that your first exit well I would not call it an exit uh, with, with, with the numbers we did then um, I, obviously I didn't really understand the, the concept of, of making money online I could have imagined that you can actually you know put some code on a page and deploy it and and by getting people to engage with it you can make money uh, so all the concept of making money online was was a bit strange to me uh, yeah but over the years I realized that you can actually make money from attention and, and I was blew away by that <laughs> and you mentioned that when you finished with the military you said no I don't have a high school degree so I might as well just start a company so walk us through that what's the rationale behind that Yo, you know, I can tell this story in two ways. The honest one or, you know, what many people would, would want to say. But the honest truth. The honest one, the, please. Yeah, the, the most, you know, the most honest truth. I wish I had what, what it, you know, I wish I would have the ability to just like, you know, graduate school with everyone. But unfortunately, you know, I, I spoke about my life as a kid having, you know, recovering from the Kawasaki, which by the way, it took me at least six years and and by the way I still have the symptoms today like even today I was trying to connect the, the, the mic to my computer and, and I broke it because I'm, I'm you know my, my my fine motor skills are just not, not good enough um, so the, the combination of having issue with writing the, the issue with having um, the, pretty severe I would say people would say <laughs> my mother would say ADHD yeah um and and many other le letters like the people say like you know uh, dyslexia and 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 ocpd and, and many many letters that represent like different mm -hmm. challenges uh, but in the end of the day sitting down and learning was just like way too much hard for me because this is not the way um i can learn new things it, it was just much easier for me always to just o open a, a website a browser a search and and just like figure it out it was just this is my was my, my go-to to learn new things so i was honestly just lazy right i was lazy because I, I i i remember that my mother told me okay so you know you, you didn't finish high school you you finished with your service um and and now it's about time to go and and you know have a popular degree and and go back to school and, and i just was too lazy so it felt to me like, you know, going to my comfort zone uh, just to start a company. I, I, back then, I was a bit naive. I thought it would be much, much easier for me because I know how to code and how hard it could be to start a business online. Um, so, so I think this was, was motivating me. Um, I just felt that it would make more, more sense and I couldn't see myself like going to, to university and, and spend like three years then and, and sit down in classes. Just the thinking of me sitting in a class like, was like I, I couldn't even like imagine myself doing so it just felt to me so not something i would be good at or something that i would accelerate it and also not, not you know not saying that you know learning is not important but the feeling of stopping my life for three years and go to learn something just for the sake of learning felt to me not practical um because i knew that i love building online communities um and if this is what I love, I, I need to figure it out. So I just decided that I want to start and, and that's what I did. It's incredible. But as right now, you know, you've been in the business for I don't know almost 10 years now, your own business, you're running it. 
how do you keep educating yourself? So you didn't finish high school and you didn't get your degree, but how do you, because you're a well-educated person, you have a broad knowledge, and I know that because I'm your friend outside of this podcast as well. So how do you keep educating yourself? How do you keep learning? Um, I try to surround myself by much, 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 much smarter people than myself. Um, so, you know, the way I look at business is that you don't know what you don't know, right? You have no clue how, you know, you don't, you have no clue what you need to do in every situation because on many occasions, especially as a entrepreneur, you never did it before. So one time it could be about, you know, product market fit. And one time it could be like raising capital. In the other one, it could be managing a board, motivating employees, building a product, um, and, and many, like, you know, building business model and, and so many other things. But obviously you don't know what's the best way to do it until you actually do it. So what I decided to do is just surround myself by amazing uh, team members, incredible co-founder, incredible investors. Um, and honestly, I, I do have so many amazing people that just advise me and I call them all the time. So I really believe that there is no wrong or right on starting a business, but the most important thing, you should be always confident and go with your heart. But for the other hand, you got to surround yourself. doesn't matter how good you are at what you do uh, by amazing people that you trust and you respect on different, you know, with, with different type of expertise. It could be on the business side. It, it could be on the creative side. It could be on the go-to-market side. So I always believe by just surrounding myself by smart, smart people, they trust. And I try to be as much honest, brutal honest, as I like to say, about what are my challenges. And, and I felt that by, you know, trying things and, and maybe by being naive as a first timer and just have the courage to try new things, plus surround myself by amazing people that I can learn from, the combination is what um, is helping me to, to lead the business. And I think it's, you know, it's, it obviously it works. And on top of the, you know, the business learning and how to do certain things that you've never done before, you mentioned, you know, when you first raised capital or when you first hired someone, when you first did a commercial agreement or ran a board, but on the, like on the personal side, when you have your own spare time, when you sit at home and you want to learn, how do you do that? Is that through, you know, more books, so or books. videos and podcasts? So, yeah, or... so, for, for, so for me, books and, and yeah, I love podcasts. I truly love podcasts. I think it's an incredible way, especially for people with, with dyslexia, uh, like myself. Like, cause for me, like, really, a book is—I'll be honest. Um, I almost—I I think that I, I read and what maybe one entire book in my in my life, and it's just because my mom offered me a prize uh, if if I finished that, and and it was like a kids' book, what maybe like fifty fifty uh, pages. Um, but I, I like, you know. I, I do not have the ability to, to read a full book, uh, even if I want to. Um, so I assume it, you know, Audible, for instance, it's, it's my go-to. Um, right. I could listen, like, I, I think that I, I listen to at least, um, you know, four or five books a month. Um, mostly, like, you know, business-related. Because, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I, I, again, like, this is, like, this is what I feel is, is like, I love hearing others like perspectives. 
about situations. I just love hearing how other people handle uh, in their own way different situations in business. Um, so yeah, I love, I love, I love audibles and, and podcasts. This is my, usually my, my go-to, but I'll, I'll be brutal honest. I, I keep learning all the time and I keep telling myself and my team members, like there's no wrong or right in business. It's about feeling what's the best way to handle situation for you in every specific situation, because maybe someone, maybe there is a best practice to handle how to raise money. Maybe there is like a lot of smart people did it in a very specific way, but doesn't mean necessarily that the way that they did it is applicable for your business. So I also believe it's about creativity and thinking out of the box. And speaking of which, so you didn't get your, you know, your undergrad or your master's or even finish high school, but do you, do you have a, like a hard requirement in your company? Like if you want to join spot, I am, you have to have, I don't know, a bachelor's or a master's or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but I assume you hear me, you hear me like laughing now in the background. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely no. Um, another fact that I, I I never read CVs until I meet a person, um, because actually I do not want to know anything about you until it doesn't meet you in person, because I don't want to have any different first impression about you except who you really are, and I don't believe that a resume. Uh, is the story of your life. Um, a human being is a much more complicated creature and than what they did before. And the fact that someone did something or did not did something doesn't mean they don't deserve the opportunity to try something new. Um, so, no, I, I, I never, you know, it's not the way I do business. It's not the way I hire. I truly try to hire people by a different, like, I, I have my, my own way of looking at, at potential partners, candidates, investors. And the first and foremost is like, do I think that they are good people? Do I really think it's myself first and foremost, uh, like is this person is a good human being? And the second question is this person is smarter than me? Because if they're not smarter than me, I cannot learn from them. So they have to be smarter than me. And the third question I ask myself is, what's their work ethic? Are they willing to work harder than, than anyone else? Because I truly believe that work ethic is one of the most important things in business. And the last thing, the fourth thing, is about how ambitious is this person? Uh, and this is the only question I ask myself when I'm looking to collaborate or partner or hire someone. I couldn't care less what I did before. So I have two questions on, on those. On your four questions, I have two questions. One is how do you define if someone is like a good person or not in your perspective? And well, the second I'll ask in a second, it's about ambitions and, you know, to what extent ambitions make you decide to take someone. And when I think you mentioned somewhere in our past conversations that certain ambitions, you would say, okay, dude, you need to do your thing. Like I want you, but this is not your place. You should go and start your own company. 100%. Um, 100%. So about the first one, obviously, there is no like test. There is no way you can really know if someone um, is, 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 is like could be a potential, you know, I call it a Z in your business, uh, someone that can harm the culture. Mm. Uh, it's very, very hard uh, to figure <laughs> it out in advance. Is that, is that from I, Talisman, from the, the board game? 
<laughs> the, the Z. Yeah. Uh, actually, so I think that the Z is coming from a book called uh, Play Bigger. Oh, okay. It's about how to how, how to build a category leader. I highly recommend this book, and and they talk about how dangerous it is for culture having someone which doesn't really believe uh, in what you do and your vision. Uh, this mm -hmm. is why it, internally in, inside our company we call them the Z, the Zs. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so so about how do you know if someone is a good person or not? Like there is no way like real way to know it. But for me it's like the basics, right? I, I want to see how are they handling the conversations with other teammates. How are they talking to my personal assistant? How are they and like what are their manners and 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 how are they looking at at life and and you know how are they talking about the previous employer and how are they talking about their previous customers or you know how are they looking at their family and 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 stuff like that and um are they doing like are they keep just talking about their personal achievements or are they all talking about the impact that they did with others? And how much are they team players and how much are they just like stuck in, in, in their own thing? So there's a lot of questions you can ask around. And by the end of the day, it's about your guts feeling. And I do really think if you're really honest with yourself, after spending even, you know, 20 minutes with the person in the room, if you really, really listen to your heart, you would tell you, you can know whether this person is motivated by the right things or not and, and do you believe this person is a good person or, or not so obviously it's about experience and about making tons of mistakes and doing like and hiring also the wrong people um, but i think it over time um you, you build a skill to identify who could be a culture fit and who is the right person and who's not um on, on the second question uh on the ambitious side well this is the complicated one because you know one of my friends always told me, yeah, Nadav, you're always looking for very ambitious people. But for the other hand, if someone um, is not, you know, good enough, let's say, or talented enough at what they do, and they're not really aware of the potential, uh, you know, negative impact they could do on the business, having something, someone uh, which is not good at what they do, but they're very ambitious as what they do. It's a very, very, very uh, yeah. a dangerous combination, obviously. Um, so, you know, but still, I, you know, I, I will detect this bet, right? For me, I'm inspired by people which push themselves to the limits. Um, you don't have to be an athlete uh, to take yourself seriously, your body and, and, you know, mentally. For me, it's about I'm looking for this type of athletes in business because there's a huge, huge, huge delta between someone who just do occasionally like doing sport a few times a week to an athlete, which is like, you know, being an athlete, it's all about your mindset. It's all about how focused you are. It's all about being determined. It's all about dreaming big. It's all about pushing your body to the limits. And I kind of feel that in business, it's, you know, this is the same environment. Um, I'm looking for athletes at what they do. I'm looking for people which are looking to do above and beyond for what they ever did. So, um, I personally strive among uh, ambitious people. So it's very important for me that people will aim high because I, I like to do things which I know that will move the needle for other people in their life. It's very important for me to build products and businesses that will, will actually make impact on, on people. So it's extremely important for me that all my team members will be ambitious. I love it. If I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, but I interviewed uh, Nathan Levy, who is a, a professional MMA fighter uh, fighting out of syndicate. 
And he, of course. <laughs> and he had a, a nice way of saying it. Um, he was quoting one of the, like the book of the samurai. There's a saying that single-mindedness is all-powerful. So when you focus on, you know, really strong on succeeding in one thing, you know, everything else turns into nothing, basically. And people are able to focus, just like you mentioned and, and explained, you know, the athlete mindset or the achiever mindset. So for me, I actually flew back from Vegas. I trained with him a bit and, and spent some time with him. And I flew back and I said, how am I going to implement this? into my own life, you know, this athlete mindset. So I could 100%. not agree more with what you just well, said. Well, you, 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 you are a very brave guy for, for going and training with him. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, this guy is just incredible, honestly. Uh, I, I truly inspired by, by his story and, you know, his, his mindset. You know, for me, and, and I think you know it as my friend, uh, yeah, I, I would consider myself definitely a spiritual guy. Uh, not a religious guy, but definitely a spiritual guy. And I definitely believe uh, in the human spirit. And I definitely believe that if you can call it focus, you can call it determination. But I definitely believe that there is something about our ability to look at the future, imagine a future, imagine a success, imagine a, 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 a major achievement, and being able to create the, this energy um, which usually just inspire others and just create your own de destiny and reality. So I truly, truly believe that it's not enough to be talented. It's not enough to be ambitious. It's about being able to keep focusing about what you want to achieve and not about how you want to achieve that. Uh, and I think that ambitious people, if there's something that I would say about the definition of being ambitious, it's about being very, very positive. Because it's very easy uh, to be negative or to be cynical about, you know, huge dreams, right? Mm -hmm. Most people are cynical when, you know, I think when, when Elon Musk was saying that he wants to solve, you know, some problems as, you know, electric cars and the ability to get to Mars, obviously most human beings were being very cynical and he got a lot of shit uh, from different publishers and, and journalists writing that, and the guy is hallucinating. Uh, but for, for me, you know, a big part about being ambitious is about being positive and keeping a positive mindset because it's very, it's much easier to be cynical and being negative. You got to be brave uh, to keep your belief over time, even though people around you might not agree with you. So positivity is a huge part of, of the type of, of people that I'm looking to surround around myself. Yeah, and I can uh, I can attest, I can testify, you know, after spending I don't know how many dozens of hours with you, that it's one of the most evident things in your character. And, you know, to reflect on others, I think it's one of the most evident things in most winners, you know, in most people who are successful in what they do. It's that super positive, can-do attitude, approach, mindset. And I think, you know, for some people, it's, it's kind of hard to believe and they are cynical about it, as you just mentioned. So if, what is your, I wouldn't say tip and I wouldn't say, you know, anything else, but what's your, what, what's your way to stay positive and focused and mo motivated? Well, 
you know, I, I want to talk about now, you know, different level of spiritualities and best practices, but I would say the one, the one thing that I think if I can give myself one compliment without being cocky, I, I really feel that as I started the beginning, the bad thing, the worst thing, the bad thing happened in my life was having uh, this rare disease as a kid called Kawasaki. Because what it did for me, it's like everybody told me since I was a kid that I might not leave. And I think that's when people tell you, and they didn't tell it to me. They obviously tell it to my parents and around me. But, you know, I, 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 you can sense it. You can sense the stress of people around you. Um, I was hospitalized for, for two years. And afterwards, I did recovery and, and physiotherapy for many, many years. And when, when you see people around you, do not believe that you might survive. I truly think it developed in you a different type of a muscle, a persistent muscle, I call it, mm. and the ability just to prove it to others. And as a kid also, that, that I had obviously a lot of learning disorders as ADHD and, and dyslexia, as I mentioned. So obviously, teachers absolutely hated me, hated me with passion because I was always smart on point. So I would correct them and, and I would go and learn myself and I would not show to class, but I would get like, you know, I, I, I would like, they knew I knew what I was talking about, but for the other hand, I was, you know, never focused. I was, you know, all over the place. You know, I like, I, I feel bad for, for some of my teachers, but I think it's a combination of having this childhood when, you know, some people would tell my parents that they don't know if I would live to the age of 18 and, and having, you know, all these teachers and, and, you know, People around my, my, me all my life that didn't believe that I, I could achieve anything. I think it's really developing me this, this, you know, this muscle I call it of positivity, of believing in myself. Doesn't matter what happened around me, and it's a matter of practice. It's like going to the gym, because if you decide to believe in yourself and believe in your own way and being determined about it and and decide, you know, making a decision, it's much more about deciding that you want to do something. It's about being very aware of what you need to go through to achieve it and accept it, if it makes sense. So for me, if I decide that I want to do something, if I want to decide that I want to launch a product, if I want to get married, that I want to you know, build something, raise money, you know, sign up for, for a raise and, and whatever it will be, the first thing I'm telling myself is that people will be like people around me will most probably judge me for doing so. Um, I will have to spend a lot of time to achieve these things. So I will not maybe be able to go and spend more time with my friends, with my wife, with my family, uh, with my pets, uh, do my hobbies. So I, I always remind myself before I make a decision and commit to something that I will most probably be pretty lonely in the journey of achieving that. Doesn't matter how much people love me. Doesn't matter how people believe in me. If I do something which is uh, different, people will be very judgmental. And I feel that I built this, this skill and this muscle as a kid because I just had to, to survive. Because, um, you know, obviously I was in, in really like life-risking situation. And in order to get out of that, I had to put a lot of effort uh, to train myself and heal. Um, so yeah, I think positivity is, is about training and training your brain to listen to your own guts feeling and your own compass as i like to call it mm -hmm. and and it's it's something that each and every person can can train to, to do so 
before I ask you about one or two or three books that you might recommend or that you've given recently in that topic. So one more question on that, and that is, how do you combine, you know, being that, having that can-do approach and positive, positivity, which is also, you know, it's quite individualistic. Like you, you make the decision and you follow through on it. How do you combine that with partners, with teamwork that's needed that we spoke about before, with having a team of smarter people around you? Like, how do you balance between that determination, that persistence muscle that we, we talked about and the need to work within a team, whether you're leading it or whether you're co-leading it with a partner? Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a good one, right? Because mo most people don't see life uh, through this, you know, filter, as I call it, positivity filter. Mm -hmm. um, well, so I think at this point, especially like my, my co-founder and, and you can, you know, we, we, maybe we should ask him, <laughs> uh, but I think when, when people around me know that, that it's like when I'm in the zone, as, as they call it, when they see me like really locked down about wanting to achieve something, they know it's going to happen. Like they, they know, like if they would always tell you like, you know, if, if, if Nadav, you know, is really passionate about this thing, he will not stop until he will achieve it. And I think that at this point, many of them, even if their first instinct is to be judgmental, I think that I prove them by, by this time that there is, might be something worth exploring. Uh, and, and usually I, I think that it's about, you know, obviously having previous success. So I think that at this point, uh, many of, of my, you know, the people that are close to me, uh, will will take the time before judging that and, and look how to explore it. But also because, as I mentioned, I try to surround myself with, you know, ambitious people. Uh, but for the, for the other hand, I also think it's very important to be judged because, you know, no, no one is always right, right? Like, we, like by definition, if I try to initiate a few projects, some of them might be crap. <laughs> so I, I do like to obviously to listen, as I mentioned, to people around me to make sure they're not, you know, that I'm trying to prevent of, of making, you know, some failures. But I do think it's also about leading uh, by example, because it's a one thing to tell people. And I think, by the way, one thing that I did learn in the military, in the Israeli military, the commander is always the first one to, to, to start, right? It's the first one to jump on something. is the first one to enter the room. It's the first one to, to lead. And I really believe by this style of leadership. I don't believe that people will follow me if I will just tell them, guys, you know, we need to achieve this huge project. We got to launch this product. We got to close uh, X partnerships. We got to raise X amount of money. Uh, just telling people to go to run somewhere uh, will not get them motivated as seeing you as a leader, leading them on the ground, hustling and, and build the confidence together, if it makes sense. So I think that I'm trying to, to be in, in the project that I truly care about, the ones I think can make real impact, I try to be hands-on and I try to make people believe by actions. Yep. Uh, to me, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And now I'm, I'm, I'm jumping back to the question I asked before. So, and, and this could be motivational books or others, but you know, what is the books, the book, the book or the books that you've given most as a gift recently and why, or you can say, you know, what are the top three books 
that have most uh, influenced your life that have greatly influenced your life uh see it's it's an amazing question um one of the books that i that i think inspired me the most it's about phil knight uh, the founder of nike shoe dog uh, shoe dog so i think like shoe dog will definitely be on top of my list um the other one will be the virgin way i uh, by richard branson which i i i have tons of respect to um the other one will be actually very different and it's about the five dysfunction of a team hmm. um yeah and i feel that like this is a very good book for any leader or any manager i think it's it's an it's about you know how you can get different people with different point of views which we just exactly asked me about to work as a group and the power of getting you know different individuals with different type of mindset and different type of skill sets uh to complete each other so this is one of my favorite books and and if i can say the first one Sure. It's a book called called Drive. Uh, Drive is an amazing book. It's also a fantastic audible, uh, also about leadership, and I think it's very very relevant for these days where everybody worked from home. Uh, and and I felt like doing COVID nineteen. That was the one book that uh, truly helped me to think out of the box. Is that uh, Daniel Pink Drive? Yes, indeed. Ah, perfect. So I just quoted Daniel Pink, I think, in one of the, whatever, on something on LinkedIn. I listened to a podcast that he had with Tim Ferriss, and he was talking about, basically, he was looking into how focused people are in the various stages of the day. And what the conclusion he came to was that in the morning, you are at your peak, right? And meaning you are most mm -hmm. able to eliminate exterior interfer interferences and just to stay focused. And then in the noon afternoon, you go through the throw, which is like the bottom. And then mm -hmm. in the afternoon, evening, night, m most people recover. So, but it's a recovery that's not necessarily higher focus. It just, it turns you like more creative. And I'm really summarizing things. Um, and maybe not even in the most accurate way. But basically, he said, you know, do your analytical work at morning, do your administrative work in the noon afternoon, and do your creative work in the evening and night. And I listened to that like a week ago, and then I just started implementing that. And shoot, it works. Like, who who knew? That's incredible. Yeah. And And you actually feel the difference. And you feel the difference, you know? You feel the difference. He said it's... The one example he gives that, you know, people look at different factors to determine what makes, let's say, two people or two populations different, right? Let's say in test taking or in car accidents. But what you see, in fact, is let's say you look at the number of car accidents per hour of the day. So obviously, the, you have more, most accidents between like 4 and 6 a.m., right? Before sunrise, the, the bad visibility, blah, blah, blah. And people, unfortunately, uh, you know, do car accidents, make car accidents and die. But the other one is, you know, in the afternoon because people are less focused, they are less energetic and so on. Same goes with test taking. If you look at just the variance between people who do tests in the morning versus tests in the afternoon, you see a huge, huge, huge difference, huge delta. Really? So, yeah. Yeah.
So, so, so I feel, so yeah. I feel, for instance, and you know, what one of the things that try to prevent myself uh, of 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 being is this like type of a, a template of of this like young, you know, you know, kid that never finished high school and, and got all these like weird disorders and and started to start a business. Um, but it is what it is. This is the story of my life, <laughs> fortunately <laughs> or unfortunately. Uh, but 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 one of the things that I truly believe in is that it's extremely important the way that you start your day. Because as I mentioned, I truly believe in, in energy. And for me, one of the most important things, and, and I think there was, you know, Tim Ferriss describing about, you know, the phrasing showers, meditation, and mm-hmm. so far. And, and I could say that by far, one of the most important things that I do for myself in the mornings is combination of, of meditation and sport. Because if I know exactly what I want to achieve from a day, from a week, from a month, I can afterwards go retroactively and understand what are the actions need to be done to achieve it, if it makes sense. Um, so it's extremely important for me always in the mornings to set up my energy and my focus in such a way that I will be able afterwards to act, like to, to act accordingly. So if I know that by the end of the day, I want to be able to hire a person, um, work on, on, on a product with my product team, um, approaching investors for a new round or whatsoever i will imagine the end that like what i wanted to achieve and afterwards the first thing i will do in the morning is sit down with my team with my assistant and try to to brainstorm understand what okay so this is what we want to achieve how do we get there so i I truly believe that like the, the the morning time is the most important time to disconnect before you becoming reactive to your day to day task and understanding what is the best case scenario? What do I actually want to achieve before I allow others to determine what my day should look like? Huh. And what is your, um, so what is like one routine that you have in the morning? If you can share it, uh, if you feel comfortable, like in sports or in meditation, like what is the specific so, so, thing you practice? So especially during, I would say COVID-19, I actually, you know, Put even more emphasize about the, the routine because I think it's very very easy uh, to become you know in, in your you know very focused about yourself and about you know about the situation and about the news and about you know all what's happening to all our friends and loved ones. Um, so for me, first and foremost, it's about being without my phone, without my computer, without all these devices. As soon as I wake up. I, 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 for instance, I never sleep with my, my phone because I want to make sure that I decide about, you know, my day, about my week and not allowing others, whether it's like, you know, push notifications on mobile or phone calls or whatever uh, to determine my day. So the first thing that I do first and foremost is meditation. Uh, I do not speak with anyone. I do not make any text message. I don't check the news. Uh, the first thing I do is I sit down. Um, usually my pets, I have two beautiful cats. Usually they're, they're joining me for, for, for early morning meditation, for, for, for early, early meditation. Um, so I, I do that for around 10 to 15 minutes. That's it. Every day. I, I, I never, never, ever doing even weekends or vacations or traveling. Um, I always start like that. Doesn't matter if I'm on a flight, um, whatever I will be, I will always start with meditating. Because I truly think it's important to be hyper connected to yourself um, before you start a day. It will really determine 
your ability to help others. If you can help yourself, the energy, the focus, and uh, the space to help others is significantly better personally for me. And the yeah. other thing that yeah. we do afterwards is sport. Um, and another, another good thing that I got from having this Kawasaki disease is that I just got used to do a lot of sport because sport was a big part of my childhood to recover uh, from this muscle disease. So for me, I would start usually the day by doing uh, running or biking or uh, boxing um, or, or just go to the gym. So it doesn't matter what type of a workout, but it's just about the adrenaline and pushing my, yourself a little bit more and, and trying a new skill or working on a new skill. So, or, you know, training for a race, a race. So I, I love having this personal physical goals to myself unrelated to business because I think it's also build your mental strength. So I will start my day with meditating, then I will do sport, then I will have, I will try to have a proper breakfast before I, I do anything, and only then I will start my day. Amazing. I love it. I love it. I'm using parts of it, and uh, you're just giving me extra motivation to, to go even deeper into it and to be even more persistent and more determined on um, on doing those morning uh, morning routines because they could not be more helpful. That's the, the reality of it. it. It's 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 even less for me about the you know um in, it's not even about improving productivity. It's really about right. investing in, in yourself long term. And uh, one of the things that I think any business owner, any entrepreneur, any leader I should be worried about is how much capacity do they have for for others. And it's if you if you don't really invest in yourself over time, you're just becoming you know anxious, reactive, aggressive, uh, dysfunctional, uh, dysfunctional leader. So we have to. I think it's our responsibility. If, if you want to do great things in the world, start by doing great things to yourself, right? It makes a lot of sense. How can you expect people to like you and enjoy being with you or learning from you if you are just not healthy mentally or physically. So um, in, investing in yourself is not something which is nice to have. I think it should be mandatory for, for every leader. And speaking of which, you know, what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And this could be, you know, investment of, of money or of time or of energy. Um, so, you know, I, I won't talk about uh, com commercial investments mm -hmm. because I think that we, you know, it's 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 really about again building this like skill of finding these like right opportunities, um, and, and this is for me, you know, it's something that you, again you just learn over time. But if you ask me, what is the one thing that I, I really think that I did with my time that truly like changed it, is stop looking at myself. I think that there is something about maturity of, of, of a person that doesn't matter what, you know, who you are and what you do. You know, I think it's one of the basic needs of every human being is the need of attention and the sense of importance, right? And we always think about how we feel, about how we see reality, about 
you know, about our career, about our business, about our clients, and, and, and so on, so far. Uh, so I think it's one of the best things they did uh, using um, different techniques. Uh, one of them is uh, NLP. Uh, NLP is, is, is a fantastic uh, practice, but there are so many other ones. Is the ability to expand your kind of, I would say, point of view in life. And during the day to day, we have all these like talks. I think we, we keep talking to ourselves. Um, you know, there's so many research about how much are we talking to ourselves. 90 plus percent of the time, we're speaking to ourselves. So most conversations we're having during the day is with ourselves. And it's mostly about ourselves. Uh, there is a beautiful book. I think it's, uh, it, it's, it was one of the New York Times bestsellers how to unfuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, and one of the things that he said there is about how much are we really talking and, and, and you know, feeling things uh, given the amount of thoughts that we put and fears and, and, and anxiety. So, and it's mostly because we keep thinking about how we feel and, and how we look at life. So one of the bad things that I did to myself uh, in the past like few years is a combination of, of, of NLP and, and, and guided meditations the ability to disconnect uh, by just thinking about how I see situations, doesn't matter if I'm sitting in a boardroom or if I'm presenting to a potential partner or if I'm um, having an interview with someone, the ability to stop thinking about how I feel and try to look at about how other people are feeling. Uh, and it's not trying coming from a, a place of, of being you know, a better person or a better leader. I honestly think that it's even it's even selfish to think about others because I think it's once you're starting to look at life from other people's point of view, uh, in compare you truly understand how incredible your life are actually are. So for me, one of the best investments I ever did was 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 that. Um, stop you know waking up and just thinking about what I'm gonna eat, what I'm gonna do. That's why I like to have these like, simple routines. And I really try to spend most of the time by looking at how my team members are feeling, especially times as, you know, COVID-19 and how my investors are feeling, how my wife is feeling, how my friends are feeling. I just think it, it makes life easier. Last, uh, last light question I have for you. And then I want us to, to talk a bit more about, about the company that you're leading. So this is a question I borrowed from Tim Ferriss. And the question goes like this. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, of course, you would be able to give a message out to millions or billions. What would that billboard say and why? <sighs> if, I will have it, if I will have the ability to share one message with the world, I assume I would go for the most simple things. And I would assume I would look for, again, positivity. And I know, you know, most people now will say, ha, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, so, uh, you know, like a cliche, but it's really like, I think that we need to choose to be positive and we need to choose to be positive. Doesn't matter what happened in our life. It doesn't matter, you know, what we go through. I think that, you know, we have this incredible thing called conscious. And if you decide to focus your life on the good things around you, life are just simpler. You know, there are so many studies about productivity. 
and about you know the amount of brain capacity and usage or we like to call it in computing like cpu and and it seems that people that been through negative feelings through the day are wasting quote unquote so much more energy than people that been through the same amount of tasks but had a more positive feelings because mm-hmm. negative feelings are draining your brain and negative feelings are the one that uh, you know causes for most of the sufferers if, you know mental and physicals including different type of diseases so i think the biggest thing that you know people can do to themselves is just try to be less judgmental to themselves and to the people around them and try to look at the positive things even during the worst time of their life because um, i think by focusing on the good things you are actually creating more of them so positivity it's about again listening to what you should listening to and not focusing on what you don't want it to happen i like it I, i'll put it on my billboard as well positivity <laughs> so keep tell it simple us, keep it simple <laughs> Tell us a bit about uh, what's going on with the spot I am right now, the company that you're, sure. you're leading that you basically built from scratch. For sure. So actually, uh, we're in a process of rebranding. So in one month from now, spot I am will be openweb.com. So nice. what is for, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, we're, we're working around the clock to to do the, um, a major rebrand and, and a major product launch and, and a major campaign. Um, so basically what we are doing is very simple. We're building a distributed social network instead of going to one app, to one website, as Facebook, as Twitter. We are partnering with the biggest media houses in the world. Uh, for instance, Refinery29, Huffington Post, AOL, The Sun, Times of London, Fox, MSN, and many, 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 many other ones. So basically, we work with the biggest media houses in the world, uh, and we help them to build communities. So imagine like Reddit, but on any topic on the world. So we're trying to bring back the, uh, the power users uh, to the core, to where the content is being written, right? Um, so we're building communities for the biggest publishers in the world. Uh, we help them to improve basically the retention and the engagement of the users. And this year, doing 2020, our number one KPI, it's about civility. Because we believe that most online conversations, whether it's on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, are pretty toxic. They are pretty bad. Like... If you go and you browse YouTube and, and you see the comments there, most of them are not, are not very thoughtful, uh, if, if, I, if, if I could describe it like that. Uh, and, and you see the personal attacks and trolling uh, and, and the amount of just like negativity again around social networks. And we think overall the reason for that is because Facebook and Twitter are encouraging us to be more extreme. The reason why during 2016, for instance, in the US, they were blamed for building these like social silos, it's because if you want to get more people to see and hear you on Instagram, on Facebook, you should be more extreme, right? Like the more extreme is are your pictures are, 
the more extremes you oppose, the more engagement you get, the more people see your message. So we just think it's wrong. We think that they incentivize people to just to, to get the worst part of them uh, and not really be thoughtful or think about others. And it actually harms society. And it's creating these like echo chambers, these silos uh, that show you only what you think of. And it's, this is very dangerous for democracy and society. So what we try to do is incentivize people to be more civil. And we try to reward them uh, for being more civil. And we try to you know, teach them and share with them and being transparent with them how they could be better as a community. So we build communities on every topic almost. It could be about entertainment and movies and cars and, and technology and finance. Um, and it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. And I really hope that uh, before the election, we'll be able to do a, a, you know, a slightly better job than, than the big tech social networks and, and showing people the big picture and expose people to all type of, of opinions because um, there's no wrong and right. It's about making sure people's, you know, making their own decisions, but, you know, being exposed to the entire uh, picture and not just part of that. So uh, this is um, SportM. Uh, we are based in Tel Aviv. We're based in uh, New York City. Um, we are growing in an incredible pace and, and always looking for um, new talents to, to join us in the U.S. and, and in Israel. Um, and that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. So a couple of questions. You said that you would, you, that the, the, the platform, well, actually maybe a, a question before that, and that is how, practically speaking, how does the platform, you know, allow the creation or the, the sustain, the sustainability of the communities around the, some of the websites that you mentioned, let's say, or, or, or news uh, outlets that you mentioned, like Fox or, you know, or Refinery or whoever it is. So what, practically, how does it look like? So it's very simple. Uh, we build for them all the technology for every platform. So every time you create a user, you are signing up to the website, you create a profile, um, you can write on, you know, on, on the commenting side, you can write like messaging, you can actually write posts with hashtags. So it's a full-blown um, social network uh, on their sites, on their apps. Um, we create the entire technology and, and you know, all, all the, you know, user interactions, so all the user experience uh, with the users uh, are using our technology and, and we help them to better understand also who are the users and what are they speaking about and, and give them the tools to connect with the users. Okay. And, and so, so the follow-up question is, you mentioned that you are, the company is rewarding like civilized users or, so how, how does that look like? So it, it's about, I think first and foremost about being transparent. Uh, each community, um, which is pretty similar to like Stack Overflow and, and even like Wikipedia and, and Reddit, you know, each community is different. Each community got different guidelines, right? On a sports website, you might be able to say a few things that you might not be able to say on, on a news website or, or on a finance website, for instance. Right. So, you know, we, we allow the community to create their own guidelines and we allow them to determine what is quality and what is bad. And after, you know, they determine what is the guidelines, 
we show them in a very transparent way to all the users. And then using machine learning, uh, we try to un better understand the context of, of the discussion and you know different type of, of technologies um, to basically understand the credibility of the user. Like, you know, how much, like, is the first time this user was engaging with the system? Um, how much are they, you know, how much knowledge they have about the topic over time? Uh, who are their friends? What are they saying about it over time? And they need to kind of, you know, build their own credibility within their own communities. So the more people are trusting them and engaging with them, the more the system will reward them. So it's really about proving to the community um, that you know what you're speaking about and each community can determine uh, what is good and what is bad for them. A bit like a real community, like in real life. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about the concept of having like an online community, it's about having the same rules of our communities in, in you know our friends or societies because I, I don't think that, that most trolls for instance will troll people in the real world right. uh, but they allow themselves to, to you know to do it um, using their keyboard uh, because there's no real sense of accountability and, and a sense of community so uh, we definitely try to bring the real world experience of, of a community to the online uh, world and you, you took on like the mission statement that you're describing, it's it's big, you know, if you, you want to quote, in my words, you want to kind of keep the internet discussion clean. That's a, that's a big task. That's, that's correct. It's a huge task. It's, it's a, a huge, huge task. task. It's a huge task. And, you know, I don't feel that, you know, as I, it's very hard for me to, build a business um, that would not make a real impact on, on, on people's life. And it's got to be a good one. It's got to be a good one that really believe it's worthwhile. My time, my team's time, my investor's time. Uh, and, and I think that, like, you know, this is part of, of kind of, you know, who I am. I really want to make sure that, you know, we're not only, you know, making money to our shareholders, but we're actually being able to, to do one thing slightly better in, in this world. Um, and, and I just, you know, I, I don't care how hard it will be and I don't care, you know, how much time and effort we need to put out of that. Um, I, I really think that uh, we have the, the talent and we have the, the resource and we have the, the, the know-how uh, to do so. Because I, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, it's about creating a better user experience and it's about, you know, creating better technology. Uh, but in the end of the day, um, you know, big tech is incentivizing for something given their business model and there's a lot of room for innovation and it's on us and, you know, technology companies uh, to, to invent the future. And given the level of toxicity happening online around uh, politics and, and sport and entertainment, I think that someone got to do something about it. And since no one did something about it until now, and we decided to pick up the project and, and do it ourselves. First of all, you know, kudos to you guys as a private company to, to go ahead and, and, and pick up such a strong, such a gigantic task. Do you know the term uh, BHAG, like B-H-A-G? No. 
it's a it's a it's an acronym for big hairy audacious goal (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's uh, jim collins mentions it in in like built to last or something and he says you know you have to have an enormous scary goal that you can lead your your people towards because that's what keeps them you know keeps the whole thing in structure that's what gives the motivation when you attack something that's gigantic yeah but but for me it's, it's a little bit more than that it's like mm-hmm. if, if you have the ability to, to build a business don't you want to do something to be able to look back in 20 years and know that you actually change something for good in, in this world like you know i think ma- making money is obviously an amazing thing but just making money but by itself will not make you and provide the sense of fulfillment. If you really want to feel the sense of fulfillment, it, you got to find a way to do one thing slightly better in the world. And yeah, it's got to make a real impact because if you're just developing, you know, a small feature or, you know, a really small project, it will make you a few bucks. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, I'm not against capitalism. I think, you know, making money is amazing, but, don't like, don't we all strive to feel that we do something again important? Isn't it all about fulfillment? Don't we all strive to do things better because we just want to have this like grateful experience and and being able to tell ourselves we did something right? So um, I, I think that you know not doing something very ambitious is scary. <laughs> it's much harder. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Not doing something ambitious is more scary. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, um, so we're approaching the proximity of the end of our discussion slash interview. Uh, Damn, before, time flies. Time flies, man. Time flies. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Good. So, so a few more questions and then we'll play a little game. Let's do it. You ready? All right. So I'm going back to the to the topic of education just because, you know, I'm interested in it. And I hope some of the listeners are interested in it as well. But I'm personally like very, very interested in that topic and specifically on how education is changing, you know, definitely in COVID, but I think, you know, throughout the world, like the, the, the technology is changing, the methods are changing, the approaches are changing. People don't look at a degree, like we mentioned before, or education in general in the same way they used to. Even acquiring education, you know, is more or less, it's more or less democratized, democratized, right? You can, in the old days, you needed to go to Harvard to get, I don't know, $200,000 MBA. And now you can get like a power MBA for $1,000 with the head of CEO of Airbnb giving you two lectures or something. So that's a long way, you know, to ask a bunch of questions. First, why do you think there is such an attack, quote unquote, from you know tech companies being like Tesla or Facebook or what you just said? Like, I don't care about you know what you studied or not. I'll I'll hire you if you have the right characteristics for me. But why is there such an attack on from like the big tech players on, let's say, uh, for traditional education, especially in the U.S. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's, it's, it's less not for me. I, I would not speak on behalf of anyone else, but for me, it's not that, that I feel that 
I attack or we attack a traditional type of, of education. It's just about, as you mentioned, it's like democratize, maybe, you know, democratize, um, you know, democratize our, you know, the way that we are judging the market. We want to give an, an equal opportunity for everybody based on their talent and, and based on the, you know, what we believe they, they would, could become and not only based on, on what they did. So for me, like, again, as a first timer, I truly believe that it's not just about knowledge. It requires so much more than the knowledge uh, to do something that will make high level of impact because no one can do something massive by him or herself. It always requires a teamwork. And in a teamwork, you got to have people with knowledge. You got to have people with, you know, with obviously the, the skill sets and, and the spirit and like so, and the creativity and like so many different things. So um, it's not about the individual. It's really about the group. And therefore, you do have to have a very diverse type of, of like of a team with the different skill set and mindsets and beliefs. So it just, I don't want to have a team of just, you know, you know, Ivy League graduate, for instance, not because I, I don't think that like Ivy League is incredible. I do think, and, and some of my best friends, like, you know, graduated some of the best schools in, in, in the US, but it doesn't mean that I would give them an, an opportunity before I would give it to someone um, that, you know, never studied or, you know, never did a project in her or his life. It's really about, do I think they have what it, what it takes uh, to win? So I, I just don't look, I, I assume at, at graduating school as, you know, as, as, as the most essential milestone for me for someone, I would definitely look more at, at you know, how, you know, how are they handling stress or how they, you know, can, uh, can they, you know, teach themselves new, new skill set and, and how fast will they do so? Um, so I do think it's about giving and opening the spectrum for more talents. Simple as that. I think it's a, it's a, it's a very good answer. I think it's a very good answer. It's not about what we're attacking. It's about, you know, what we're, it's not the negative. It's the positive. Long story short. 100%. Like, Cause it doesn't mean like, I'm not saying that someone that graduated Harvard um, would not be a, a culture fit or, you know, would not be at, you know, the type of time that we need to, to do something. I'm just saying that it's not necessarily mean that if you graduated like uh, Harvard, it's mean that you could do it better than someone that never graduated Harvard. Simple as that. It's right. really about what, you know, the, the, the overall um, skill set that you have and, and knowledge obviously is, is one of them. So if you were to, in a year or two years or three years, you would, you know, whatever it is, sell the company, IPO the company, or just have, for whatever reason, have some more spare time, would you consider going, and I'm not saying getting a proper MBA, but maybe getting a proper MBA or either other executive education or any other like concentrated period of time where you sit on your ass and do like case studies <laughs> with a bunch of like uh, people? Yeah. So, so, so before you, you, you described the class, I wanted to say never say never. And then you started to describe <laughs> the class and I said, yeah, like, but, but let's be honest. So like, again, never say never. I, I don't know. Maybe, um, most probably, uh, not, not in a typical class, May, maybe from right. home somehow, right. uh, or on the, on the weekends. Um, 
but you know, I, I try, like, I always learn new things. I always did and I always will. And I think that in the moment that they will stop, I will most probably, you know, you know I'm, I'm not sure if I would want to leave at this point because right. I, I'm a curious guy and I like to learn new things. So I, I'm not sure if I will be fortunate enough uh, to have uh, the ability to sit down to, to sit down in, in, in a class and, and, and really focusing about what one person is, is saying for like 60 minutes uh, or, or more. Uh, but I, 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 I definitely hope that I will have the time to, to, to learn more in, in a different um, ways, in different formats. I'm just not sure it will be in a classroom. Does it answer Amazing. the question? Yeah, perfectly. Perfectly. Are you ready for the game? Of course. Ball ready. Drum roll, please. Okay, so here's the game. It's called Only Three Words, and it goes like this. I am going to ask you a question, and then you'll take all the time in the world to think about it, but you will not say anything. When you want to say something, it can only be three words. So, for example, if I'll ask you, Nadav, what are your three favorite colors? You would think, and you would say, hmm, blue, white, and red, for example. Okay. We good on the game? Let's do it. Okay. Do you want to do a trial run or do you want to do the whole thing? I want to do the whole thing. <laughs> okay, Nadav. So, in only three words, in your, from your experience, in your view, what are the three must-haves in order to pursue to successfully pursue a huge gigantic goal determination mm -hmm. positivity luck <laughs> i love the third one do you care to explain uh, yeah you know like it's uh, one of my 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 angel investors uh sell uh, investor uh got at least like four incredible ipos he always told me, Nadav, let me tell you what you need to succeed. And, and he always told me, you know, you got to be super smart. Uh, this is like 33% about being like uber, uber smart. It's 33% about working super hard. And it's 33% about just being lucky, being on the right time with the right people, etc. Um, and there's so many stories about companies just failed. And, you know, a few years later, just what they did became, you know, very relevant and applicable for a specific period of time in our history. So, but he always told me, and if I could replace uh, the first 66% uh, uh, <laughs> of being brilliant and, and, and working very hard with luck, I would do it tomorrow. Right. So, you know, let, let, let's admit it. Like, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It does matter. Because you create more opportunities, but yeah, you gotta be a little bit lucky. Definitely, definitely, could not agree more. You know, lucky beats smart every day of the week. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So Nadav, before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to share with our audience, or to kind of last thoughts, or something that we haven't covered during the conversation that you think is important to put out there in the world? Yes, I think that we're experiencing and living through very, very, very interesting times. 
And, and I don't know how many of you have been exposed to the Chinese culture, and but usually when Chinese tell you that they wish you interesting life, it doesn't mean <laughs> a, a very positive thing. <laughs> so, so I think we're, we're living in, in obviously challenging, um, but very unique at times. And I definitely feel that it will create and already create a lot, a lot of different opportunities uh, for new businesses because consumer behavior is changing. And honestly, I do believe uh, for good. And I think that it obviously changed the way we collaborate because now we just realize that it's not that hard uh, to collaborate um, from home. And it obviously always, you know, show us how strong we are as groups and how important it is to surround yourself with people that you love that can support you and vice versa. So I think the biggest and most important thing for me during these days is, as I mentioned, try not to look at yourself. Try not just to think every day about how good or bad is your personal uh, situation. Try to look around you. Try to be there for others. Try to ask your friends what they need. Try to ask your parents. Because if you want to start a business, they will tell you what they need. You will see by the people that you love, the people that you care about, they will give you the best ideas for you know the next multi-billion dollar business. So it's not just about karma, it's not just about feeling better, it's about you know really trying to turn lemon into lemonade. And I encourage everybody to stay positive, try to think about others, try to be there for others, and try to think how you can get the best out of the situation. This is a crisis, but every crisis, it's an opportunity. No risk, no reward. So use this time carefully. It's not necessarily going to repeat. I hope it won't. <laughs> With those inspiring words, Nadav Shoval, CEO, founder of SpotIM, soon to be openweb.com. Thank you very, very much for a very pleasant conversation. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Stay safe. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and comment on your favorite platform. We're on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud and Anchor and many, many more. You are also welcome to check out our website, mbawobs.com, for past episodes and to subscribe and stay tuned for our future episodes. So check it out.